Lord, have mercy, this is a long one. Uh, so, uh, part of what I think I need to do today is talk us through why we have this feast day. What is this about? And uh, the first, so this is the Assumption of Mary. And we get the word assumption from the Latin word assumptio, which means to be taken, like Liam Neeson's daughter. <laughs> Thank you. You know, at the four o'clock, they were like, ah, I don't know, Father. So what is this uh, doctrine? What is this dogma? And we say it's a dogma. There's seven dogmas of the church. And when we use the word dogma, that means it's something you and I are required to believe to remain Catholic, right? To stay in the Catholic box. We embrace these doctrines, and this is one of them. Uh, it was first, or excuse me, it was officially articulated as a doctrine in 1950 when no one here was born yet. <laughs> Here's what Pope Pius XII wrote, quote, we proclaim and define it to be a dogma revealed by God that the Immaculate Mother of God, Mary Ever Virgin, when the course of her earthly life was finished, was taken up body and soul into the glory of heaven. Okay, that's the dogma. Where does it come from? I, I, I think I've told you about my buddy. He's a Baptist minister, and he always says, where's that in the Bible? And I tell him, it's right next to the verse that says, everything's got to be in the Bible. It's right next to that one. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me no friends. For us, this is two reasons we believe this. And if you'll excuse the, the crudeness, common sense is one of them, and I'll walk us through. And two is, it's what the church had always taught. Now, if it's what the church always taught, why did we wait till 1950 to define it? Because, and get this, you can research it, nobody questioned it until then. The church never says something she doesn't have to. I wish I had that problem, right? Uh, if you look, for example, at the U.S., uh, if you want to get depressed, look at our tax code, yeah? Uh, books and books and books and libraries with all the rules. And that's just for one function of a government that's about 300 years old. Now, you got a 2,000-year-old church, and our rule book, it's about that thick. Yeah, we never, the church never defines as dogma what she doesn't have to. Um, for example, Martin Luther, right, uh, the, the guy who kind of started the whole thing, he and Lutherans celebrated the Feast of the Assumption of Mary until the late, or excuse me, early 1900s. Uh, it's, an, it's a function of really American Protestantism that this began to be questioned. And so the church finally in 1950 said, my gosh, enough people are abandoning this where we need to articulate it. What's the common sense thing? Well, for us, it starts with a simple idea, uh, an amazing idea. Mary carried God in her womb. That's an impressive thing to have on your resume. Yes? She carried in her body the Lord of heaven and earth, he who was, who is, and who is to come. And not by her own strength did any of this happen, but by the action and love of God. When she said yes, everything changed. 
And as a result, we recognize that the very presence of the living God, not a, knocked, uh, not a knockoff, not a washed down version, if he was going to live in her, she had to be free of the thing that keeps us from being able to do that, which is original sin. Yeah? She couldn't have original sin if she held God inside of her. Now, if she didn't have original sin, then she goes body and soul into heaven. That's it. See, this, this is why they pay me the big bucks, guys. Uh, it's really for us common sense. If she carried God perfectly, well, she had to be without sin. If she was without sin, not by her own strength or grace, well, then she didn't die like we do. Did she die? Did she fall asleep? The church has never articulated, right? We don't know. And frankly, we don't consider it tied to salvation, so the church doesn't define it. So some Catholics believe she fell asleep. We call it the Dormition. And some believe she died like you and me because she's human. She's not a goddess. That's the idea of the assumption that at the end of her life, her body and soul went to heaven. Now, why does that matter, right? Uh, when I was in seminary, I remember this prof saying, never teach dogma without teaching how it should change us. Because here's the key, the devil believes this. Belief can only take you so far. That belief needs to change us. And I thought of a few ways it can. First of all, this is where you and I remember a super important part of our faith that we forget all the time. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Our bodies are going to heaven or the other place someday, yeah? The way scripture describes it is when we die, our souls go to judgment and our bodies in the ground. At Jesus' second coming, Quote, he will raise up and restore our bodies to be like his own. At Jesus' second coming, our bodies will rise, they will come back together and join our souls and heaven will descend on earth. If you go to Mount Calvary, Catholic Cemetery, right over here in Flint, that's where my mom's buried. If you go there, they kept the custom that Catholics held for about 1,800 years, namely, we bury everyone with their feet facing the east. Why? Because scripture tells us when Jesus comes back, it'll be from the east. And so when we rise, we will be facing him. It's an amazing thing. And a lot of Catholics, we miss this, right? We say, oh, our bodies are a shell. And because we buy that, we treat our bodies like they're not sacred. But our bodies are sacred. They are destined for eternal glory. And that's why there's a billion rules about them. Because for anything sacred, we surround them in a sense with a hedge of love. And we say, you treat that different. And that's why there's so many rules about our bodies. When people say uh, the church is obsessed with sex. Oh no, culture is. Yeah? Culture is obsessed with it. The church has to constantly remind us, you're sacred. You're sacred. Your body is special. So Mary kind of shows us what it's going to look like. And that's why we just celebrated transfiguration a little bit ago. Jesus showed us what it'll look like. 
So for you and I, the Assumption of Mary is a great time for us to remember that our bodies are sacred and that what we do with our dead is very important. That's why if you look, where did we go? I think it's over here. Yep, the corporal works of mercy, right? The seven best things you and I can do as Catholics. What's number one? Bury the dead. We go to funerals. We honor the dead. The second thing that this can teach us is the importance of Mary as the Ark of the Covenant. You heard it referenced in our second reading, right? That in heaven, it says the Ark of the Covenant is there, and then all of a sudden it transitions to Mary. What is this? Well, the Ark of the Covenant, um, if you ever want to see a great documentary on it, it's called Indiana Jones. Um, fantastic stuff. Uh, what is this? This is that big, beautiful box that the Jews made as a way to carry some very sacred, important things. What was the ark? What was in there? A few things. First, uh, the very stones that our Lord touched and wrote on. That when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, they were on a stone tablet. Our God touched a stone and wrote on it. And so they put those in the ark. Um, Joseph the patriarch. Not this guy, right? But Joseph the patriarch. His bones were in there. He's the one who you may remember saved the Jews when there were only about 73 Jews on earth and they were all on the brink of starvation. It was Joseph the patriarch who brought them to Egypt and fed them. So his bones are in there. And you may remember when they escaped slavery in Egypt, they were in the desert and there was a thing that happens in the desert. They got thirsty, yeah? And they started to complain against our Lord. Praise God, we never complain. And God told Moses, hit this rock with your staff and water will come out. And he did. So that rock was in there too. It was an extremely important thing for the Jews. They built two temples just to house this magnificent Ark of the Covenant. Well, for us, we call Mary the new Ark of the Covenant. She carried God in her. And if you hear our, I think it was our gospel, yes, where Mary, remember this right at the beginning, it said she moved from here to here, right? And every time Mary moves in the New Testament, you can jump back to the Old Testament and see she's following exactly where the Ark of the Covenant went. It's an amazing thing. She is the Ark of the Covenant, God inside of her in a unique and amazing way. And that takes us to our third thing. If she's body and soul in heaven, and she's the Ark of the New Covenant, then we should ask for her prayers. Oh, we don't need anybody but Jesus. People say that. But then they do ask other people to pray. Yeah? What's the difference? Oh, I don't know. I'd rather ask the Ark of the Covenant to pray. I'm, I'm kind of big on that. I think if you carried God in your body, God might throw you a few favors once in a while, yeah? We ask Mary to pray because we believe in the resurrection of the dead. We're not asking her to give us something. We're asking her to channel something. Just like when I ask you to pray. We see no difference in it except, excuse me, but Mary's better at it than you and me. Yeah? And when we ask her to pray, 
We're aware of time. And this is the one, I'll do my best, okay? Mary immaculately conceived. Why? Why would God do that? Because she was going to say yes. And God is master of time, not servant of it. And we celebrate that here, yes? This happened 2,000 years ago on our calendar. But it affects us now. St. Paul wrote about this, that this moment is happening in the heart of God every moment. That's how we're saved by it. If God was stuck in our version of time, then only the people alive at that time, at the time of Jesus' death, they're the only ones who'd be forgiven. Or how about the fact that we're going to enter the Last Supper here in just a few minutes? We're not going to reenact it or remember it. We're going to enter the Last Supper because God's outside of time. And as master of time, he prepared Mary because she was going to say yes. And why does that matter? Because you and I are stuck in time and we're obsessed with it, but we're obsessed with the moments that don't matter. Uh, Rich, uh, I, and he's somewhere around here. We were, we were talking about Jesus and baseball. And he told me about this amazing thing he was reading where he pointed out in, the, in this, what he was reading that they said about how we ask Mary to pray at two moments in our life, right? Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the only two moments that matter. Those are the only two moments that matter. And Mary reminds us of that. We get obsessed with the past, even though we know we remember it badly. We get obsessed with the future because we are fearful people. And in the midst of that insanity is our mother saying, now matters. The hour of our death matters. And those are the only two moments you know. So we ask her to be present in those moments. Mary reminds us of the two moments that matter. Now and the hour of our death. So she that went before us, whose yes changed the world, is assumed body and soul in heaven. And today we commit, we will remember how sacred the human body is, that it is destined for heaven. We remember that Mary is the new ark of the covenant. She carried God inside her. And where the ark went, Mary went. And as she who carried God within her, she reminds us of the two moments that matter, now and the hour of our death. May we be cognizant of and faithful to those two moments every day of our life. Amen? Amen. Okay.